Hello, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs and this is Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis, a podcast where that's what we're talking about, getting the conversation going to raise awareness. It's on behalf of the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia. Now, March is all about raising awareness for this disease and they have got some fantastic events happening, including a big virtual one we'd love for you to be part of. So get all the information right now, endometriosisaustralia.org. I'm really excited about this episode because she's one of my favourites. Emma Watkins, you'd know her best as the Yellow Wiggle. She's the very first female in the Wiggles, who, of course, are the world's biggest children's entertainment group. And let's say Emma is the most popular member of the group. You see people wearing her bows. Everyone wants to be like Emma. When she's on stage, she's so full of life. The singing, the dancing, the drum playing. She is just so inspiring. And it's amazing to think that during her time, while she's there on stage, she is battling stage four endometriosis. She opens up about how it's affected her life in this beautiful chat. Please welcome Emma Watkins, The Yellow Wiggle. Hey, Emma. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank you so much for having me. It feels like ages since we spoke. I know. It would have been probably the when they announced the National Action Plan for Endometriosis and we were at the Women's Hospital in Randwick. We got to wear the, the flower crowns and Minister Hunt was there and there was the big announcement around the action plan. Interestingly, I saw a picture of us at the hospital the other day and I forgot how beautiful um, that experience was, not just because we were wearing yellow flowers in our hair, Mm -hmm. but it definitely was a very different energy in the room and you could tell that people were very excited about the encouragement and the support. And it felt like for the first time ever that endometriosis was a word that was considered a part of our dictionary. (laughs) You know, I just felt that um, for the first time there was a real common kind of discussion about endometriosis, which up until that point really wasn't around. And it has such a misconception behind it. And even when I was diagnosed, I had absolutely no idea what it meant. It felt good to be in a room where um, endometriosis was almost a common term, not that we were excited about it affecting that many people in terms of it being a common illness, but for the reason that we could all be part of a discussion about it. Yeah. And to, you know, get the funding for research and just to start that conversation is amazing. Now for you, your journey with endo began um, only a couple of years ago in 2017 when you had the surgery and were diagnosed with stage four endo. Before that, had you even heard of this disease? Never. I don't think I'd ever heard of it. I, I think I understood about cysts and ovarian diseases, but this particular kind of illness, I'd never heard about it, never occurred to me. Even having such bad period pain since high school, I never thought that anything was wrong. Do you think that's because at school you were taught, and we're very similar age, where it was common knowledge, oh, periods will be painful, so you just have to suck it up? And it's always the fact that periods vary. So they kind of suggest, you know, everyone's pain is different, which is very, very true. And so at that point, I just thought, oh, well, maybe I'm just a bit unlucky. (laughs) And how can you compare it to anybody else? It's so confusing. When did you actually start that conversation with your GP and go, okay, something is not right. What's going on here? 
I was definitely late to talk to a GP and for me it was all about scheduling and timing and we were busy touring which is which was part of my normal life for about 10 years at that stage and so I hadn't really been home that much and for me I found that my periods kept connecting together and then I started to bleed every day and then the blood started changing color and for me that's when I thought Mm, something is a little bit strange here but because I wasn't at home I had let it go a few months too long. There you are doing the Wiggles tour which is a hectic show you know there's a couple of shows a day it's physical you must have been exhausted by the end of the day if, if that's what you're going through with the the blood loss and everything. I think too as it started to as I started to bleed and it came together and, and it was really relentless, I did lose so much energy just in those final months before I was diagnosed. It was kind, for me, I felt like it was a quick decline and um, it was understanding that I had chocolate cysts at that time and that they were secreting this particular colour and, and I, I just felt like it was like this really quick onset. But now knowing and thinking of the whole journey, it's, that was probably going on for about. So I felt that even though it was an early onset in my head and I felt that the symptoms worsened very quickly over a period of about six months, I didn't realise that I'd probably been experiencing this for about 15 years leading up to that. And for me, uh, being able to use the show and the touring as a constant in my life, uh, I knew that my energy for the shows was at a certain level. And then I got to the point where I had to sleep in between each show on a heated mat. And that was the thing that actually helped me uh, recover in between each show. But I'm not a nap person. (laughs) I don't sleep in the day. So for me, I knew at that point that I was losing a lot of energy and um, therefore a lot of blood. And something must have been wrong. So you went and saw a specialist and you had the surgery and there they discovered a gold mine, stage four endo, (laughs) the worst. And I, I think I didn't quite I knew something was wrong, but I'd actually spoken to quite a few different people before I um, felt that it was a more confident diagnosis. And I think because endometriosis in my head was really strange and mysterious, as soon people were starting to mention things to me and I was like, no. <laughs> and I just thought, no, nah, it can't be that. And turns out, yep, you've got the worst. And oh. whereabouts did they, did they, are we able to, like, whereabouts had it, it gone in your body? Because sometimes it ends up in weird and wonderful places. I think on reading the report and talking to um, Dr. Abbott, I was fortunate in that it was only localised in my uterus. It didn't actually spread. We thought it might have gone to the bladder mm. in the ultrasounds, but actually when I was operated on. Apparently the adhesions weren't that bad. It was just that it was a lot mm. in that particular area. And it was mainly the the kind of rubbish and the stickiness around the walls. But apart from that, it was just really a terrible kind of localized um, endo case. But I've heard so many stories where it's where it's spread to different areas and I just, oh, it just makes me sad. I just, it's unbelievable when you hear stories that something from your uterus could travel all the way up to your heart or your brain or affect Mm. your lungs and your kidneys. It's just mind-blowing what this disease can do to someone. What would your piece of advice be to anyone who, because I know that there's lots of young girls um, 
that do listen to this and they're really struggling, like even just to have a conversation with their mum or their, their parents or mm. with their friends as well, what would be your piece of advice to younger people? It is definitely about opening the conversation with whoever you feel comfortable with. And ultimately, if that conversation can lead to a professional in this particular area, then it's even better. Mm. And it really just is about that conversation. I, I didn't open a conversation with anybody that was around me, um, even though uh, my most of my class members were male, I still didn't feel that comfortable, even though I treat them as my family and my brothers. So I know now that I can talk about things, um, you know, along these lines with no problem. But it is about comfortability. You have to start with a place and a person that you feel comfortable with. And if you can seek advice as soon, uh, as, soon as possible, it definitely is recommended because I know that for myself, it was way too late. Mm. And yeah, if you're not happy with the advice that you've been given from seeing a professional, then mm. go and get a second opinion because the first Absolutely. one may not be ideal and they may say the completely wrong thing. Absolutely. And there are so many cases where surgery might not be necessary or it can be managed better. And that kind of holistic approach um, can definitely help this illness in the fact that even if you do end up having to have the surgery, there's so many other parts of your life and your lifestyle and your diet that can actually support you in during that um, surgery process and the recovery as well. Yeah, and recovery is a big one too. What lifestyle changes have you made since the diagnosis, if any? A lot. <laughs> um, I feel that really for me it took about two years for me to get to a place where I could safely say yep I feel like I'm recovered um, even though I still which is very strange I still feel sensitive around my stomach and that you know that lower abdominal area even if I'm exercising or in the show I'm always cautious of it but we understand that women are amazing and it did occur to me that women who have babies and whether that's natural birth or cesarean that they go through this abdominal trauma and do recover and some of them quite amazingly so I knew that I wasn't alone in that sense but I'm still very cautious about it and I don't know if that's just a spiritual sense that I know that there was pain there or that it's still there and I have to manage it but I've changed my diet and my exercise outside of work it's very um, relaxed now <laughs> where I think I always thought that I needed to be very cardio based and for my fitness but actually the opposite has helped me so much so swimming um, in like a, a salt pool or a magnesium pool trying Pilates yoga I've desperately want to be better at meditation <laughs> don't um, we all <laughs> I haven't quite got to the point where I can practice it every day but I know that that's something that would definitely help me yeah just to calm the mind especially mm. I think everyone I often sit yes. there and I try so hard it's you know there's so many <laughs> amazing apps that you can download now yes you know, yes I'm going to stick to this 30-day meditation thing and three days in you totally forget Yep. Or you'll be sitting there listening and then all of a sudden you're like, what am I going to have for dinner? Absolutely. That's me. So I know that I need to be better. And there's some amazing research about how that can actually retrain your brain and, and assist your whole nervous system. So look, I'm truly interested, um, but I'm setting my goal here. Um, this is a recorded um, <laughs> announcement that I really need to work on that. And for everybody who feels that it's something that obviously seems a bit out of their reach.
Okay, in six months from now, we're going to check in with you and I too will try harder with my meditation and see whether or not we can focus on the message of the meditation and not what we're going to be having for dinner. That's great. Even or breakfast, you know, how can we make it past breakfast, Emma? (laughs) Now, you did mention as well in your environment, the Wiggles, your three castmates, they're like brothers to you. How did you tell them what was going on? Because it is such a personal issue. It's a good question and I I didn't give them enough credit for their understanding and as soon as I was able to mention it to them they were like go fix yourself what what can we do support like and I didn't think it wasn't that I didn't think that they would do that it's just that I was confused as to how I would tell them then when I was talking to them about endometriosis I thought are they even going to (laughs) understand what that is but mostly they're like oh period I don't want to know about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah do it just you just do fix that do what you need to do and so you know they gave me all the space and time that I had needed and really I probably in hindsight pushed myself to come back slightly too early Um, but I was very slow and I think that's why my recovery felt so long I think after about six months I was like yeah I've got this but then really only after two years as I was saying before I felt that I'd finally got myself into a position where my body didn't feel like it did before the operation. Has it changed the performances for you as well? They're less physical? Are you, you know, I know that there's a a singer Halsey who sometimes during her concerts, um, she's got endo, so she'll just sit down the entire time. Have you had to figure out the choreography or now you're feeling good and you're able to be up and about? Yeah, now is not a problem, but it's particularly when we just came back and we actually went on a tour to Canada and I remember being on that tour and I was like, I can't lift my leg in an arabesque. <laughs> um, and so a lot of the choreography was changed so that it was just um, not so taxing on my abdominal muscles and my core. And I still was able to be there. And the lucky thing about being part of a group is that you've got three other people to, you know, pick up the slack where you can't. And because a lot of the show is based on music and singing, then that was fine for me. And I got to sit down and play the drums a lot, which was was so helpful. Yeah, so I was rocking it out. You are so good on the drums. Oh, <laughs> it's wicked. You. I love it. Side note, go and see a Wiggles concert. As an adult, it'll be the best couple of hours <laughs> of your life. I got so involved and I, I took my nephew, Patty, and he was three and we're just up clapping and dancing. It was the best. And you guys and that was a have fun show. such a ball. Oh, it's so fun. But really, it's the audience. We get to a point where we tend to not really think about what we're doing because it feels natural or it's muscle memory. But for us to be able to come out on the stage and watch the audience and essentially watch the children and and people watch for the hour, because that's where you get most of your enthusiasm and your inspiration. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to get to the point where the show isn't worrying you or you're not nervous about this new number or something. It's lovely to be able to be completely engaged with the response from the audience. The thing that I admire the most about you, Emma, is that you are in the public eye and that you publicly said, I've got endometriosis. And given you've got mums with the younger kids to start that conversation was so important, I think. Get that message out early. Absolutely. And for me, I didn't really think that detailed on the approach to announcing it. And it for me, it was just that I needed to be upfront with the reason why I wasn't going to be on the tour, because I knew that the first misconception that I would get was that I was pregnant. And quite ironically, 
you know, the contrast for my situation was just crazy. <laughs> so I wanted to be upfront so that people wouldn't speculate um, in that particular way because it, it obviously affects pregnancy. Mm. Um, and I didn't want the conversation to then just continue to this whole like, oh, she must be pregnant. <laughs> and that actually being so not the case. Yeah. Um, so that's really how it came about. And from there, I've had so many mums at the shows and people write to me, email me, Instagram, Facebook, just on encouraging words and also support most mums are like I had endometriosis and now I've got two beautiful children and this can happen to you mm. and so they're very um forthright in being able to share their experience now because the conversations are a little bit more open but the support is incredible yeah and I I, I do feel for mums as well who've been through mm. it and then they have daughters I know that my mum yeah. feels guilty because she had it oh. and she thought maybe Ellie would have it and then now I have it and she she said oh. to me before I'm so sorry I'm like mum it's not your fault <laughs> oh mum that's so beautiful. No, it's not her fault. <laughs> no, not at all. It's like, it is what it is. And if anything, it's actually made me stronger as a person, I think. In its weird and strange way. I think when you go through health battles such as endo or anything, it just makes you stronger and you're able to tackle different scenarios looking at a in a different way. And so did you actually, did your mum definitely know yes, before yes. she had you? Yes. So she had a hysterectomy and everything. She's lucky to have had me. Oh. So you really, you're in one of the most fortunate positions because you at least had some awareness. Exactly right. Um, I'm very beforehand. blessed. Mum's also a retired nurse, <laughs> so oh. she knows so much. Right. And I mean, it, it, we can feel your positive energy and support in terms of this particular conversation. It's so bright in your personality. It's something that I'm so drawn to every time I talk to you. you you're just so with it with this discussion. And, you know, it's a blessing to be able to talk to you um, in this way. Well, it really is important too, just to start that conversation, because I know mm. when I was 15, 16, had painful periods and they're suffering and I lost friendships because I'd be cancelling mm. all the time. And, uh, you know, the anxiety, you'd be sad. And I just don't want that to happen to young girls again. I've done no. my time being young. There's nothing I can do, <laughs> but at least I can help people growing up now. That's right. And with this kind of information generation, we have the ability to share as much as possible. I know that, that there's a lot of, you know, mystery about, you know, we don't want people to diagnose themselves. But, mm. you know, it's definitely... Um, an amazing era to be able to educate yourself with things that are online, even if it's just to start your brain thinking about how you can, or what, what's going on with you and what are those symptoms for other people. Sometimes that can be super helpful, particularly in this case when it, you can't, you can't compare it. It's not like I've broken my leg. Oh yes, I've broken my leg too. <laughs> it's very different. Absolutely. Now let's just check in quickly. How's the Wiggles going? Because you're about to start a tour in New Zealand, the We Are Fruit Salad Tour. This is exciting. We're so excited. This is our first tour since COVID. So we really only did one show in Sydney uh, just the day before the lockdown in Sydney. And then we did a few at the very end of the year when the restrictions were lifted and then the restrictions were placed back on again. So we were super lucky to have six shows in Sydney at mm -hmm. the end of 2020. But these shows, it feels like 
you know, chapter two. It's we've had a, a massive break from touring, but making sure we've been filming a lot of content to release in the next year. So that's exciting too. But to be on tour, to be sitting in a hotel room feels very foreign. <laughs> I bet quarantine would be a test. <laughs> it is, but I've enjoyed the time being able to connect online. And it is this particular moment where um, March being endometriosis awareness month is a great time for people to chat about this particular issue and so because I have had the time I've had lots of people that have been writing to me and I've finally had a moment to reply. Emma, you are a beautiful ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. We're lucky to have you as part of our family. All the best for the tour in New Zealand and if you want to check out Emma, with the Wiggles, the We Are Fruit Salad Tour. It's all to celebrate the Wiggles' 30th anniversary as well. They are doing so many shows across Australia, so check out thewiggles.com.au for all of the info. Thank you again for your time, Emma. You are one of the busiest people in showbiz. We love what you do, and it's just refreshing to always chat to you. You too, Ellie. Thanks so much for having me. Isn't she just divine? I love Emma Watkins. You can read more about her on the Endometriosis Australia website and find out all the information around the events we are holding for Endometriosis Awareness Month, including a huge virtual one, which is coming up. So make sure you head to endometriosisaustralia.org. And if you do enjoy these podcasts, leave a rating, give a five-star review. You can pass it on to anyone who you think would benefit from learning all about this illness that affects one in nine. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe and the next episode you will not want to miss because it's all about mental health when it comes to endometriosis. You will learn a lot from this chat. Thank you again. Catch you next time. Bye.